Hey, what's going on? This is the Educated Guest Podcast. I'm Justin, your host, your host, your host. Man, I'm trying to get the voice right, trying to get the intro right. This is a podcast for all the kids who wish they went to art school and those who are still aspiring to. What that means is that if you have a little bit of a higher taste level for what you like and what you see in the world from the vantage point of design, this is where we approach all angles how the world is laid out, how the world is constructed and deconstructed to see how you can have a seat at the table. How that looks is that every single week we bring on different guests who star and have a seat at that table from a variety of vantage points, but the one common thread is design. This week we have a little bit more tactical episode from Daniel Nelson, founder CEO of October Comms out of London, UK. They are a PR agency specializing and helping design architecture brands tell their stories. This is super detailed, so make sure you get out a notebook, take some notes. Daniel Nelson, tune in, you're gonna love it. What the last thing? <laughs> I'm just <laughs> open this up. Um, How many books do you get through per month, per six months, per year? Probably like six or seven books. Yeah. Not too many. You usually read like fiction or nonfiction? What's the, uh, what's the story on that? Tends to be nonfiction. Um, I actually quite like the factual things for sure. So, like one of the books, um, I was just trying to find the name of it actually on my. Uh, there was the Architecture of Happiness by Alad, Alain de Botton. I was reading that or listening to that. <laughs> but um, uh, Grayson Perry, I remember that. Do you know the artist Grayson Perry? No, uh, I probably do, Br- but remind me. <laughs> he's a British artist, and he. Um, uh, he dresses up as like a almost like a china doll so he wins, wears these big kind of dresses um and he won the turner prize here in the uk but i don't know whether or not he's known internationally or just in the uk but he he um he his book was the descent of man that i was reading about and it's despite the fact that he's actually quite a masculine guy but in a dress um producing ceramic artwork he's talking essentially about how men have changed over the centuries and the things that we need to be careful of. And it was an interesting book. Totally. (laughs) But I don't tend to read kind of marketing books or, or business books that often. Uh, In fact, actually there's a lot of this, which I relate back to some of the stuff that I try and do with work is um, I find lots of stuff out there is just so general that it's really hard to apply it to yourself. (laughs) I know, I know what you mean on that point. I mean, it's, I find that the best business books are often truly like psychology books, um, behavioral psychology, or that focus is just either you're tuning kind of the ability to work with others or you're tuning what uh, tool belt you have. And yeah, I, I definitely understand like the, the kind of the sort of leadership style books are kind of rote and uh, redundant, if you will. So <laughs> They just feel that they're like, um, it, because they have to be, because they just talk very generally about how something happened. And then everyone's tried to learn something from that. But what they take away from it is, oh, I can't really follow that exact path. And so you can't really work out what to do. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So so give the, uh, if you don't mind, give the audience real quick, a quick background on you, your expertise, your experience. I know we started with your favorite book, but I want them to have the context of, why we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about today and uh, a little bit of your expertise in it. I uh, run a PR and marketing agency um, based in London in the UK, and uh, we do the PR for Atlanta Design Festival, strangely from over in the UK, although we have somebody based in San Francisco, not that that's anywhere near. (laughs) Um, And uh, I've been running that for, uh, it's like seven or eight years now. Um, It's a small team of us, mostly actually freelancers, but it's me running it. Uh, with, well, it's been up and down a few times with different people joining senior and then leaving and things. But yeah. uh, and um, we only work with design and architecture businesses, so um, we work a lot with small designers. Tends to be kind of product designers, um, right through to some larger architecture practices. So a range of people. Prior to that, like my background to this, actually getting into that sort of work was I was working for uh, Vitsu, which is the Dieter Rams furniture company. Mm. I was looking after uh, the PR for 
Dieter Rams at the time, well, alongside Bitsu. It wasn't solely me. <laughs> I can't make that claim. Um, but I was having to kind of deal a lot with how we position him alongside the company. And that was my big learning ground, I guess. Um, dealing with somebody that's as iconic as Dieter Rams, although he wasn't as more famous as he is now. Um, I think Apple, Johnny Ive at Apple, has had a lot to do with his... Right. Uh, him coming back because it's the same philosophy that he's been <laughs> been using. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, that taught me everything because I started there when I was 24 um, mm. and spent six years there. So 24, I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know either. I mean, I'm, I'm 25 and I feel yeah. like I know what I'm doing, but no, most days, no. <laughs> I guess that's, I mean, and in a way, like, when I, th- when I think about it, or I will get onto this, I'm sure, but the key thing I always took away from it was just every opportunity that seems to come your way that you think is going to be good for you, just do it. <laughs> because uh, if it's not going to make you money, it doesn't matter because these opportunities don't come along very often. And yeah. you've just got them. And that's kind of, I think, any person I speak to at any sort of level has always said pretty much the same kind of thing is you can kind of orchestrate your path quite a lot but it never works <laughs> you have to just go absolutely <laughs> and I, I heard another interesting way of saying that just very simply you know what would make for a more interesting story two three five years down the road and pick that and it, it really makes it a lot easier when you feel like it's a huge decision like damn i gotta i gotta go to this ivy league grad school i gotta or i can go and start my own thing or I could like start a family or I could do this. And you're like, this is the mind of a 25 year old where you feel like the world is your oyster. And sometimes you're in paralysis by analysis and you don't do anything. So I think, I feel like the thing that's brought me a lot of peace recently and uh, going forward, it's just, you know, you're thinking of it like you're writing another chapter in your book and what would make for a more interesting next chapter. So that, that brings me that piece. I might be talking about this recently with someone is because um, at the moment I'm like I'm 38 next week, so yeah. uh, 12 or 13 years or something. It's not like a particularly long time. Did I see myself doing this then? No, I had no idea this was what I was going to do. And even the stuff that I'm doing right now didn't really exist even then. So I can't really figure out what you want to do because the world's going to change so much. I guess you just got to go in sort of a direction you're, you're interested in. I think you're always faced with, should I chase the money or should I go with what I enjoy? And I guess they could both exist together, but they tend not to. Um, and then I look and think, well, you know, by this point, you know, I could have earned a hell of a lot of money if I'd just been a banker or something. <laughs> but, right. but then, you know, would I have been happier or would I, you know, and it's, it's a difficult choice. And I kind of think you should just go with the thing that you want to do and not be led by, this is what I'm still working out. <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. That's, it's funny because most of uh, some of my closest friends and kind of started as like a mentor mentee relationship, but really most of my closest friends are like 10, 15 years older than me. And I've uh, grown to understand that, Hey, you never really figure this thing out. And that again, brings me peace. Like hmm, I can be 55, 65. I mean, I, my dad's like 62 um, this year and it's, I, we have conversations now. I mean, as two grown men and we're like, yeah, well, you don't really have it figured out either. I mean, you have more peace and wisdom at age 62, but you know, I am 40 years younger than you. And <laughs> some of the same worries we have are the same worries we have. The, when I um, started to employ people, I think it was one of the hardest things. And it made me reflect a bit on some of my first bosses where staff can be really critical of a boss for not knowing what they're doing sometimes and they'll often just criticize their decisions um now then when it kind of flipped and i was employing people i realized you know no one teaches you how to do this i have no idea what i'm doing (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to do what i can and in the way that i think and it's quite lonely like people always talk about that it's lonely at the top like you're the only person making a decision and got no one else to kind of just bounce ideas off but i guess it also did teach me uh, to actually take opinions from other people because you no one has all of the answers and if you 
just go along doing your own. I mean, you've still got to have like a single minded view because if you're too taken in every direction, listening to everyone's opinions, then you don't really figure out anything. You just sort of like work a little bit. Absolutely. But so, you know, it's hard. <laughs> so to get more, uh, this is a great conversation, but I want to get more tactical with uh, some of the value that people might be able to get out of this. Uh, talk and I want to start with the simple question of if I'm running or the scenario if I'm running a one or two person three person shop or if I'm just 19 years old moonlighting it from classes and college and I've got a few clients here and there I'm picking up a couple extra hundred dollars a month and I want to know when it's time to outsource when is it time that I need to call somebody else up and say hey like I need help with marketing I need help with building my brand I feel like that's always a uh, inflection point where it's like, oh, well, I mean, when do I need to pay somebody else to do this? Doing it too early can definitely be a bad thing as well. So there's a point, I think, where everyone, I can relate this a little bit. We've been working with somebody who's a startup and a few months down the line, it's actually kind of clear that it's too soon, that it should have been outsourced. There wasn't enough really SO structure or an idea of what they kind of do in-house. So we're then actually having to do a lot of that thing. And I'm always in my head thinking, I'm costing you a lot of money really to do the stuff that you could be doing. Yeah. So, but I can't, I can't not do it. So it's, it's just, there's nothing there, but they equally doing it too late can hold you back as well. So the point I think it comes at is when you've tried, you've got to kind of prove your concept, I suppose, whether that's like a, you know, like if you were launching a product, you would prove the concept a bit first. Yeah. I think any business almost needs to figure it out because what you kind of think you're going to do doesn't always end up like that. And six months down the line or a year down the line, you think, oh, actually, okay, we didn't get a very good response on that, but we've now changed and we're now figuring this out. But if, you, if you're still like pushing on and you're not getting anywhere and you don't really know where to go, then... That's the point, maybe, to speak to somebody. It doesn't even need to be outsourcing. Um, I th some of the people we speak to, they often have no idea how it would work if they hired an agency. Yeah. The rules kind of like, it's open, you know, like yeah, there's no there's no shame in saying to a uh, question that we get all the time is, how would it work? Do you work on a retainer basis, like every month or a project? Or can we just, I'm, I'm open to anything, really, because... Mm. We like working with these type of businesses. If you, if you just want us to come in and just do uh, like a workshop and figure out what you are, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> after that, you might not need us for a year because you can get on with some stuff yourself. But yeah. then I always know, yeah, but a year later, you'll probably come back because we had a good experience together, or hopefully we did. Um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, so it's, it's that, whereas I think lots of people will hold off and hold off because they think we've got to wait until we're ready to do that or we haven't got the money to hire someone. But you can have an honest conversation. And uh, the only thing I would think is if, for instance, you don't have a big budget, don't go to a big agency because you'll just get like all the, all the money will just get mopped up in a couple of months and you won't have gone anywhere. If when you need a big agency, because we're a small agency and I know the, the benefits and the the pros and cons of working with a big agency or us and the, the resources that they can throw at things is much bigger that's yeah. the way it is so if you need that then that makes sense but if you actually just need some guidance and thinking you'll get that from any size agency and in some ways the smaller ones will be cheaper <laughs> what are those top three questions you usually get from yeah. these smaller shops i mean i know the ones i would ask it's like all right how do i get my social media following up how do i engage more people how do i get more listeners to this show like these are the basic topics that you know i think about even with this venture and if yeah. i'm running it if i'm running a design consultancy i mean i am so focused on the hours and hours i'm putting in illustrator and whatever whatever program i'm in and you know how do i know what to even ask and what are those most common questions you get i think the most common thing it's always related to sales somehow. And so if I'm thinking more, we actually have just started talking to a publication, so relating it more to what you were just saying. For them, it's still, there's still revenue somewhere in there needed. So usually that's where the conversation always comes back to. I guess also because by working with an agency, 
there's a cost there. So unless there is revenue, then you know you're just putting money into something. Uh, so that's why I guess we always get those. And I flipped the company in a different direction, probably almost like about a year after starting it, mm. where um, I was more like, yeah, we're like a traditional PR social media company. And then I realized maybe we're not. Maybe we're more about driving lead, uh, sales and leads yeah. because uh, that's what everyone asks us. So why were we telling them, we'll get you in this magazine and we'll get you in the, you know, when actually they don't really care. They want to know like how it affects their business. So mm-hmm. now we talk about it very differently, which is another <laughs> thing, but uh, I want to stick on to the questions. Is there and, a way to tie the feature in Arc Daily or wherever you might get them featured? Is there a way to tie that back to sales pipeline or how do you track leads from features i actually use i adapted a little bit the you might have come across hubspot have you yeah, heard of yeah yeah so they i think they coined the term inbound marketing mm-hmm. they have this channel which has awareness uh, version i forget the old uh, attract convert i can't remember the exact ones yeah, yeah. Uh, and i added in an element which was essentially press coverage or pr activities uh, along the awareness because they don't have that in theirs they just do digital marketing and i thought actually the this is where it's at that point is i think we we get asked about press coverage say it's in like dazine or arc daily or something like that like and then people expect to see someone purchase something or a lead for an architect or a product or something you know whatever it is yeah they expect it to come directly from that and it just does not work like that (laughs) As human beings, we can relate to it much easier where you think, if I've just heard of something, I'm not in a purchase mode or in a, you know, that is not how I am. Um, Very rarely, because I say that, but, you know, you could put like a a low cost product onto Instagram and people would buy stuff. Like, I get that that happens. (laughs) But the kind of things we tend to be dealing with, they don't, they're not click and buy instant things. Um, So we relate, okay, so we've got to get them in from a press coverage point of view, but then we need a way to capture them. So mm. if it is a feature about this, there should be something on the website to relate to that. And there should be a way to capture some data and push them along a pipeline so that we can actually nurture them into becoming a sale or, or a lead, but not to lose that opportunity. And I think lots of people get excited about the press coverage and think it's going to make their business and then yeah. nothing. <laughs> I mean, I would get excited about it. And that begs a bigger question about how you, let me set another scenario here. So how do you set goals for a specific marketing initiative? And I'll pick two most common ones where being on the other end, I understand the importance of podcasting right now. I mean, everybody wants to be on something or is being requested to be on something and when they are a guest on a particular show, you know, how do you set a goal for, hmm, here's what this particular initiative, what we're looking to get out of it. Here's the data we're looking to capture, so on and so forth. And another common one might be, I don't know, a magazine feature. You know, what are the targets there or a panel sitting on a panel at some conference? You know, these are the three most common I see a TED talk. Like these are the common ones. You know, how do you set goals for this? You mean like setting a goal like I would want to be on the on the TED talk, or I would want to be on? Yeah. So let's say that you do a TED talk, or uh, let's say some you're working with a client, and they're like, "Hey, I need a feature," and da 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 da. But I want to make sure that we're getting something out of this. So let's take the Arc Daily feature. Let's say you get them a feature in this magazine. You know, what were the goals going into that, and what can you tie back to the client and say, "Hey, we got you five new leads." We captured these data points. Um, what what are those data points even look like? I know we're getting that's, super technical, but no, no, that's. I mean, that's the bit I love about it because a traditional PR agency doesn't seem to understand this stuff, which is what I like. Um, right. Whereas we've kind of worked out almost a formula that works. Is so I tend to look at it really about SEO, uh, so search engine optimization. Yeah. Uh, I'm referring to there, um, and. This is one of our little unique points in a way, I suppose, is that um, I have a, an SEO background as well, because after I left Fitsu, I went to work for a big startup and it was just grow quick. That was our like thing. We had to just you know get to the 
the large numbers as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of experience in search engine optimization then. And then twinning that with kind of this design and brand work that I'd done in PR, and then along with some social media and things, it was starting to make sense to me this how they all work together. <clears throat> and um, an SEO agency, I'll just a slightly sidebar, an SEO agency doesn't seem to understand PR uh, and a PR agency doesn't understand SEO, tends to be. Whereas these things, I think, are completely linked. Yeah. And if we're, uh, I'll give you an example, an architecture practice that we're working with at the moment, they didn't want PR. They were like, no, no, we don't want that because we get coverage and it does nothing. Mm. What we want is an SEO agency and you know Google AdWords agency that is just going to drive leads for us. And I was saying to them, okay, that's great, but we can build you links by getting you on these big publications by looking at it from a PR point of view. So like Dezine, do you know Dezine? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Dezine, uh, we know well because of the PR side of the business. A link on Dezine is worth a lot from an SEO point of view. So we will always look at publications that we can get an online link. That's purely like we. that's where there's huge benefit. If there's not, fine okay but that's where we've taken pr in a, a press specifically is that yeah we've got you that link on art daily or design and then i can see what that drives in terms of traffic or what it has done to the domain authority of the website um it's starting to get more technical now yeah, yeah, uh, this is important i mean i wanted yeah. this type of technical stuff uh, because domain authority, um, I'll just quickly summarize for anyone that doesn't know, uh, is every website out there is ranked by Google. They don't expose that data anymore. They haven't done for years. But a company called Moz, they created their own ranking system called domain authority. And um, they rank it out of 100. So you're always kind of trying to get as high as possible, closer yeah. to 100. Although... I always in meetings start with, you're never going to get close to 100. So let's <laughs> settle between kind of 30 and 40 is probably where you should be happy. If we get into the 50s, then we're doing really, really well. Mm. You know, like these small companies, like you just cannot get enough to get into the 60s and 70s. It's just impossible. Mm. So when I look, start working with a company, if their domain authority is 23, I'm like, okay, we need to do some big press outreach to start building that authority to get inbound links from other sites to build the, the authority there because anything else I do is not going to work as well until that is until that 23 is a 29 or a 35 or something you know Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so it's really scientific in a way <laughs> which most PR points of view are not um, they're normally just, oh, it would be great exposure for your brand to be in this publication. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I mean, it is, but that yeah. that's, takes years and years to really infiltrate people's minds. Um, one article, reading an article in a magazine or online, you're thinking, oh, okay. But it hits probably a tiny percentage of people who might actually take action. And it's... Articles in their nature are soft selling. They're not really hard selling. Right. So then there's no call to action saying today, like sign up and get 50%. You're not going to read that in an article. <laughs> so, um, so you can't convert people very well. Uh, but um, this is why there's been a huge shift towards content marketing mm. um, by that, like this kind of thing is content marketing <laughs> that you're doing anyway. Uh, to try and because it's advertising messages are not working as well so actually talk about what is interesting to you and those things and put messages out that's going to draw people in and that's a much better way of trying to convert somebody um so as an example there's well there's an old marketing term called pull versus push marketing mm -hmm. um one can google that there's a wikipedia page about it <laughs> and uh it's does exactly what it says it uh you're you're pr producing things to pull people in rather than pushing messages out so social media i believe is exactly what that should be whereas i see everyone doing it where they just push out have you seen our new bedding have you seen our new like 
new product that we've just launched. Have we seen this? Have you, it's, right. And no one wants to read that. It's not interesting to be sold to. Um, but if people put out really interesting content and it, you think, oh, that's cool, what's that? Um, that's where you engage more. And it's exactly that uh, pull versus push. It's this. It's. I don't know why this is a, <laughs> why this is still something people do, but it seems to be our our natural thing to to go back to selling to push, push, push messages everywhere. So, so this is all amazing stuff. I mean, I I'm getting like a masterclass as I'm talking or as I'm just asking the questions. So I'm wondering for again back to that like new brand six months to a year old startup whether i'm running a design company or i have a product in the design field or i'm an architecture firm and i'm just the lowly you know (laughs) just started out of college person what are those weekly tasks as it relates to pr because you're talking about a lot and i think from my point of view a lot of us get overwhelmed we're like oh Damn it! I don't even, I don't even know where to start. Like I knew SEO, I knew content marketing, I knew this, I knew that. Real quick, what are every week when I log into my laptop? What are those three things that I could be doing before it's time to give someone like you a call? Uh, it's, it's just getting my brain into that that gear again because we we uh, we started last year. We just soft launched a sister company that um, that does this sort of advice, and it's like bite sized bits of information, and mm. it's live so i'm not really talking about it. but um but it that was the idea was like okay if you've got one hour this week here's the three things you should do and it was that kind of we were trying to do that and the type of things we were saying um from i would say i'd almost break different activities let like press being one thing just find that one publication that you like that you want to be in for your for yourself mm-hmm. not for any other reason and one this is read it because no one ever reads things. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, it's like PR 101, really. It's like read the thing you want to be in and find out what interests them because you're going to pitch yourself and then find out which journalist it is. Um, and this is a really old tip that I was given when I was like 25 um, by somebody and it worked. And I stupidly forget to do this all the time. But she was just saying, um, every week, read some publications, read some online magazines and you know print magazines. And if you read an article and you like it, tell the journalist you liked it because they never hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, they get pitched to all the time, but no one ever actually emails them and says, hey, I really liked that, but I read that. Uh, and give your point of view and your opinion. You don't have to try and sell to them. I think it's hard to get out of um, that habit of, Oh, they just wrote about that product, and we've got a product that's exactly the same. So we should tell them about ours. Like they don't want to know about that now. They've written. <laughs> They've already written about it. Yeah, <laughs> they're not going to write about it for another year. So, um, but if you read something that actually is more about your own interests, then t- then talk to them. And I started um, uh, doing that, and it was amazing the response that I got because these big journalists were replying to be like, oh, that's great. Uh, thanks so much. What did you think about this? Like, or in a couple of weeks' time, I'm writing something like this. And you start a conversation. Mm-hmm. And once you've got a conversation with that journalist, it's much easier to say to them, by the way, in a week's time, we're having an event for this or we're doing, we're launching something. I'd really like to tell you about it or maybe give you an exclusive about it because I you know, think we're, you're interested in the same things. And then they'll probably say, great, could you either send me some more information or can we meet up? Um, <clears throat> but it's, you have to kind of create that relationship in a way yeah and i I don't think anyone needs to outsource pr just to do that specifically they can do that themselves um and it's much more genuine when you do it yourself because Mm. you're much more interested and also there's a really long term i'm doing myself out of like work here as an agency because i I believe this anyway is it's much better for the relationship to be directly with the company than it is through an agency um you only really need to outsource to an agency if you just can't reach those numbers or you need to do something bigger but if you just want to start like um just get started then stronger for that person at the new york times to know who you are than it is for them to know your agency 
that's much, much better. Um, and they want to know you rather than the agency. Um, because uh, uh, really quickly, the way that a PR agency is, uh, is tends to be structured is you have an account director, an account manager, an account executive, mm-hmm. and some layers in between. The account director will will decide like this is the strategy for you we're going to try and do this 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 and then they will oversee it but they won't be involved day to day as much uh, the account manager is running that so they're checking they're emailing publications they're writing a press release mm-hmm. dealing with and the ex- account executive is the person who is liaising with journalists a lot of the time <laughs> so they're the ones that are sending out images they're not pitching they tend to just be dealing with like the day-to-day like we've got to send this person images we'll do this this and this you know yeah. um so the person who you may have the best relationship with the account director is probably not dealing with the journalist directly the relationship that a journalist has with an agency is with the agency as a whole that's so I know that when we email somebody, they see it coming from October Communications. They see that, then they think, oh, they're normally really good, so I'll open the email. Uh, okay. The person itself is less, you know, um, less crucial. But if if a company has that, like, say, you have a relationship with a journalist, then that's much, much stronger, and that lasts forever. So, you know, it's... That's sorry. This was a really long winded, but <laughs> no, it's it's on point. I mean, nothing you said is that wasn't it, like press. Just you know, but don't pick. And um, this is a nice little story. Actually, is um, when I was at the, that startup that I was talking about, yeah. I had an intern um, working with me for like three months, something like that, um, mm-hmm. who recently got back in contact with me. We've always sort of stayed in contact, you know, like. LinkedIn, we were talking and things, and I recommended him for something. But recently, he got in contact with me because he's just gone uh, like freelance. He's consulting, and he said to me, his thing that he's kind of carved out for himself is he's growth. He's a growth manager, so he'll take a start, or he'll work with a startup to go from zero to whatever you know, like fast growth. Right. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, that's quite interesting because I don't know that I know how to do that um, the way that he would. <clears throat> and he came in and I was asking him, I was like, how do you do this really? And he said, "You people focus on like, we need to get to a thousand customers by the end of the year. And they do things like this. And he's like, they, you've got no customers right now. That is the wrong approach. You need to find customer one and you need to find customer two and three. And you need to work like that. And you'll learn a lot through those few customers how to make your process better and then once things start to work you can start to scale it quicker and quicker but people are so focused on the end goal that they don't know how to break it down or they become overwhelmed um and it's much the same i think that applies i think across everything if you're gonna do it yourself and you've got one hour then just think about one publication that you want to be in (laughs) um don't yeah. think about 20. You haven't got time. Um, Absolutely. What, that, what is, because yeah. uh, I'm hearing, this is a great, great dialogue here. And I think about like brick and mortar. So I'm, I'm somewhat tangential, but I'm thinking about the brick and mortar exchange of, hey, I just opened my new coffee shop. I'm going to make sure that person one who walks in, as soon as I open the door, you're the first customer. I'm going to give you the best possible experience, hopefully. That's the thing on my mind. Best possible experience you've ever had at a coffee shop. And that leads to the next interaction and then tell a friend and sort of the network effect starts. So online, there's kind of these ghost interactions, if you will, where you have, you know, someone coming by your products. Let's say you sell, I think Etsy is a good example or uh, for Refinery29 or any of these kind of uh these warehouse style uh, artist driven websites where I have my little booth, I have my Shopify store, I have my clothing line or whatever. And how do I ensure that I can give that beautiful exchange of a customer experience that I would in the same way if I had a brick and mortar store? Like what are some of those tactics of, Hey, I own a clothing line, for example, or I designed this, this coffee table and I want to sell it online on Etsy or whatever the case is. How do I, in a marketplace style economy online, 
e-commerce, you know, how do I do that? Um, there's probably maybe even a step before that, actually. Uh, normally, when I first start speaking to people when they're in that situation, um, I start to like go backwards a little bit. They're, they're often like, oh, I'm already in this position and we want to just get bigger. And, um, and then they can't figure out why it's not growing. And then I start looking, well, can we have a look at like, what is unique about you? And when they start telling me what is unique about them, you realize that's not unique about you. That's, that's the same thing that a hundred people have said. (laughs) And they struggle with what's unique because it is really difficult. There's, you know, there's so many businesses. How do you be different? Um, and then the worst mistake in a way would be to just deliberately do something that is different because you want to be different where nobody wants that in any way. Um, so, you know, to be like, Oh, we, we have a clothing store and we offer, um, I don't know, free something. It's, it's, you don't need, no one needed that thing. They, you just made yourself different, but for no purpose. Mm. Um, where I always go, go to with this is, I spend time trying to understand what they're interested in because very often they've created what they think a customer wants and not what they're interested in. And I, I always feel like that's the thing that makes you unique is <laughs> no one else is like me, you know, whatever the makeup of me is, it's I'm, I'm completely unique in the world. So there's got to be something in here that is different. Mm. And then you can start to figure out people's passions and interests and from that you can then uh all of this i'm gonna just caveat with you there has to be a market as well for all of this so when i'm when i'm talking to them in the mind i'm thinking okay where would we check that there is a large enough customer base for what they're talking about so um i'm trying to think of a good example product (laughs) so can make it oh let's go with clothing um uh like you said um so is there is there a product and you think oh i've always wanted to do um uh, i really can't think of something right now but there's some some kind of clothing let's say glasses like an accessory so if i have a custom warby parker on the early days and instead of warby parker my name is jason edwards and that's my company name (laughs) and i want to do glasses and you can find glasses that look like mine, that look like yours, and pretty much any brand. But you know what? How do I come to market? I lo- actually, I love those companies. I followed Warby Parker from the Warby Parker from the start. Yeah. I loved it. Um, and what I loved, and I, I used to use them in presentations all the time. I used to actually teach uh, a social media course, and I used to use them as an example um, because in the early days. Um, this is, I'm going to come back to the question. <laughs> ah, good. In uh, the early days, they were, people were tweeting. This was kind of pre-Instagram being so big. Twitter was bigger. Um, they were, <laughs> yeah, those days. Yeah. Uh, they, people would tweet questions and they would do video, like YouTube video responses to every single customer. And I thought that was insane. <laughs> I just was like, wow. Mm you are doing this for every customer that shows you that shows them that you actually care about them. And it shows everyone else that you care who hasn't even got a question right now, but they know that if they did, you're there and you're going to answer them. And they don't do that now because the customers, they can't just keep up with it. Now they do a lot of FAQ videos and help videos and tutorials because they get the same questions. But in early days when they don't have enough customers, I thought this is a perfect example of how you deal with customers when you've got 10. Like you can devote that time. Um, And years years ago, I I got into arguments at that big startup with, we had... um, uh, I hope he never hears this. <laughs> uh, he he just come from Yahoo working on the mail product um, from there, and he was in charge of I think it was like our community products or something. Mm-hmm. So like a three D planning tool and a forum and you know a mood board creator and stuff like that. Um, and he I was always wanting to deal with people like 
I know this person, I'd talk to them as a bat, as a name. I would be like, they've asked for this. I think it's quite a genuine request. He was like, we can't start answering every single person's question. And I was thinking, we have 40 people that are active in the forum at any one time. I can deal with that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And we have like, um, and he's like, you're starting to set a precedent then. But you can adapt these things and you can make those people in the early days feel special anyway throughout Many people have, uh, many companies have given like founding member statuses to their early customers right. and they get special rewards that no one else gets. You can keep those people happy um, as you grow. You don't have to, you can, you can adapt that service when you can no longer deal with it. But, um, but you should treat those people really important. They're your first customers. And, um, so that was a slight side thing about Warby Parker, but as an example with launch and say that the the genius of what I thought, I don't know that they were the first or maybe they were the first, but it doesn't matter in a way. They figured it out first, um, I guess, is what did the customer want? And that's, I guess, where they went back to is, okay, we want to sell these things online. How do we do that? What does the customer actually want? And they want to try it on home if they were going to. His five free sets, you can have it at home. Um, and they wanted it cheaper and they wanted good design. And it was just really like simple, simple elements to it. Uh, and I think so many, uh, for instance, the one company that's just launched, I wanted her to have a live chat function. I was like, you have no customers right now. Let's have a live chat. Um, one, you're going to learn a lot from people because you'll start hearing questions. And two, you, you, you know, you get one one message a day, probably. It's nothing. You can deal with this. You can deal and with she, it, yeah. I, you know, I don't think I've got the resource. What if I'm not online at the time? Like, it will flash up on your phone. It's fine. You can deal with it. But she was like, no, no, no. I don't think it's important. I don't think customers really want that. And I was, I hear it all the time, is people trying to convince themselves that that thing that's inconvenience, inconvenience in them, customers don't want. But they want it. Like, think about what a customer wants and do that and find a way of doing it. Because do you want your business to grow or not? (laughs) (laughs) Very true. So, and we're coming to a close in a second. I got a couple more questions. I mean, I love, I love this back and forth, like I said, but equally important as the things to do and the things, the stories to follow are the things not to do. Like this process of constant auditing of your, what you do on a daily, what you do on a weekly, what are those things that from a marketing PR and branding perspective that you should just stop? <laughs> um, um, I guess um, the things I would always, I'm, I'm thinking about from this point of view, the things I would always do is I would really always prioritize search engine optimization for a company. So no matter who you are, we Google everything. This is, this is the nature of how we do stuff now. So, and no matter what type of business you are, then this is how people find out, find you. And, um, that there is a way I I literally have never come across a company that does not work for search engine optimization. I've had architects tell me that that's not really how they get business. It tends to be word of mouth. I'm like, fine, but you know, that's how you get business now because you haven't done any of this. Imagine if you got business another way. Um, Oh, actually I'm just going to take a small point to say, this is the thing that I hate that I hear all the time (laughs) is people telling me our customers don't really want to do that or they don't really care about that. And to me, I'm always sitting there thinking you didn't bring me in here to just manage your existing customers. You came in, brought me in to find you new ones so those new ones might want it and everyone that you're currently dealing with might not want it, but mm. that's just because you've only done that. Um, and I, I, it just, it frustrates me so much. I always just think, just try stuff. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it is the thing that holds everyone back so much is not trying things. They, they are too afraid of fail, failing. Mm. <laughs> um, Oh, and actually, I take I take this with me. God, there's actually lots of little like things people have said to me over the years. Um, I'm starting to realise that's shaped things. Is the startup I worked for? Um, do, you probably don't have it, do you? Do you have LastMinute.com? I don't think you do. Do you? No, no, I think no. it's a European thing. Um, <clears throat> so it was a big online travel agent, 
Um, so booking flights and holidays and um, yeah. and uh, he, the guy that sold it, he then started the startup I went to work for. And he said to us at one point, we weren't doing very well, really. <laughs> kind of pivoted probably so many times. We were like done full circle. Um, and he just said, okay, in the next six months, I just want you all to fail. And we were like, what? <laughs> he said, just fail over and over again, because if you're failing, you're trying stuff you didn't know how to do. Mm. Don't keep making the same mistake, but just try stuff and don't worry about failing. And I thought that's stayed with me <laughs> <laughs> because we are all too afraid to fail. And then that holds us back from doing things that you don't know because you think, oh, but what if it doesn't work? Well, what if it works? <laughs> Mm. <laughs> like, um, or it doesn't work. I learned something, and uh, I tell that to people who work with me all the time. I'm like, just try it. I don't care if it goes wrong. I'll take the heat. You know, it's fine. And we'll tell our clients, this is, you know, this is what you get from working with us. We we will do stuff out of the ordinary. Um, because yeah, I've never done that, but let's give it a go. It doesn't look that difficult, and we'll work it out. Um, or you can bring in expertise if you really want to not. If you want to manage that. But the beauty of a startup is you can try new things and you have got a load of legacy that you're trying to protect. You can just try things. But I'm going to come back to the question specifically. <laughs> yeah. That's what you should be doing. Uh, so SEO then is always um, – and there is so much information out there online. I can't, I can't like, try and confine that into, like, a two-minute thing. Like, right. go and – uh, moz.com is a good resource there's a beginner's guide to seo just go and read it um, mm. uh, um the the other sort of thing would be to spend time on i think would be um guys i mean it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day, actually that it, to step out of that and um i would spend time talking to customers always is uh, it, sometimes to people it feels weird to, to email that customer that bought something two weeks ago and say hi we're new we're learning things i'd love to just talk to you about the, you know what your experience was um Definitely. lots of people want to automate that stuff and you send out an email automatically but everyone ignores it because you know, it looks automated um I would talk to people. I mean, that's the biggest insight you're ever going to get is actually what did somebody think? So whether you can have a live chat or whether you can email the old customers or you can, if you're going to do a trade, like a show and you're going to have a booth, then get talking to people. Mm. Those most valuable things in the early days is the feedback. Because So stop worrying about sales and just get that feedback from them. Um, so on a day-to-day -day basis, you can constantly be making sure things are right. Um, but I would all, but so SEO was definitely always going to be a bit of a baseline, like check in every week where you are. Like yeah. um, the, the key, the key little things, just as little tips on that is that you might not read or you might read too far down stuff is um, we, we do every week. We'll write articles for clients all the time. We'll find that keyword that is like, Oh, that's getting quite a lot of traffic. And, um yeah and you there's tools to check this um on uh, out there uh, google adwords keyword planner will tell you the volume of traffic um and you can find that keyword and think oh okay and then just quickly google it and see okay there's not much there about it or there's a few articles but we could write a better article than that mm. write a better article <laughs> that's like the best way um and write a long one as well like get get into something so um just you know if it's everyone is just sort of writing a few paragraphs and not really t dealing with it then write a thousand words on this thing and publish it that even if you have no um you don't have to distribute it because google will do that for you yeah it's then people searching for that term are going to find your article and it will rank, it will start to rank higher and higher. You do that every week and you've got a load of articles that are out there that are, even this is when your domain authority is zero, you can get traffic that way. And 
that's how I would always launch a business in a way is just start because it's cheap. It's a really cheap way of doing it. You don't need experience for that. You just need some time. And we all have time on our hands when you're starting out <clears throat> just to write an article um, and keep doing it. This is why content marketing is so big. There's a science to it, but you can just, you can do it from your own interests. Um, and then speak to people as they're coming in, start to figure it out. And then that will help you to guide where you're going to grow. Um, always be up, be after that. Once there's some money, sure, get some Google ads going because that's going to drive some more for sure. Um, that's how you can boost it. Right. Facebook ads, Instagram ads. You can always put some money behind those. That That is definitely, I always stick in a strategy. People go, oh, I'm not too sure. I haven't got much money, but. You, you don't have to spend much to, and you'll see whether it, you're making any money. And if you're making money, then you can spend more. It's a no brainer. Um, <clears throat> never ever do print advertising. <laughs> if you're starting out, <laughs> it's just money down the drain. Cause you might spend like $5,000 or something on an ad yeah. and get nothing. And what you could have spent that money on. It's just, it's heartbreaking when I see people do it. Because uh, they think we need lots of customers, let's go big. Yeah, and it's the wrong approach. You've got to start small and work up. Those companies that are advertising in all of those big print publications are already doing everything else before they did that. Um, there's a term. I'll kind of wrap this up. <laughs> there's a term um, in marketing which is above the line and below the line. Again, just Google it if you yeah. don't already. Um, and that that helps to frame, I think, where above the line advertising or above the line marketing is only suitable for certain companies. And it will explain why. And below the line is much more where, where because of the type of companies we're dealing with, that's where we work on working in that below the line. And once you start doing above the line, you're really starting to spend a lot of money and you've got to have a proven concept because you're wasting money otherwise. It's too expensive to do on a whim. Um, so, yeah. I love it. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, it's actually right on the money. I mean, I mean, you gave, sounds like the thing is to continue doing. You mentioned SEO is like the, the priority above all else. And from there, then you can start getting into other forms of ads like uh, yeah. mentioned Facebook, Instagram. How much money do you think is a suitable amount? Let's say if I have, I mean, let's talk really small. If I have two, three hundred extra bucks a month and I'm yeah. like, okay, this is coming out of my pocket directly, not the LLC's pocket or not just a one person shop. Yeah. How much money I, should I spend? I, if you had yeah, two, on, two or three hundred dollars, that could definitely, I would only pick one thing then. I wouldn't do Google Ads. Um, I think you probably need to have about a thousand dollars probably to yeah. really work that one properly. Um it's competitive that's why uh i mean you could do a bit less i don't want to put people off if they've got like seven dollars right. <laughs> um but facebook and instagram you could do for two or three hundred dollars and mm. be quite effective with that amount of money uh and the great thing is you can try it for a few days and see what's happening and turn it off so you don't have to commit to that amount of money mm. you can just think okay i could do that I think the biggest thing that people have in their head when they're doing it is they almost write the money off and think, I'm never going to see this money again. The, the approach should be, this is good money is going to turn into more something. You know, it's going to create more money. If it's not, then switch it off straight away. <laughs> it's not, um, of course, every business, you know, takes longer. If you're looking, if you're an architecture practice, you're not going to switch a Facebook ad on and see a lead come in day one. <laughs> But, um, but uh, in fact, actually, we tend to do Google ads for um, for architecture practices, and we localize them, and that's how we reduce the spend. So, you, if you're an, if you're an architect and you want to be really targeted, you could do it for like five hundred dollars, mm. seven hundred, something like that. Um, but uh, um, if you're more of a product that you think is suited to that Facebook, Instagram thing, those are the two my two go to places to advertise. Um, we recently tried, I was looking at Pandora, 
and Spotify. Spotify is not as big in the US as as, as it is in Europe. Because um, I was bigger getting- and bigger. I mean, it's I've been with it. I've always preferred Spotify, and this is going to be the whole. Well, I was using it before. Sada, sada, you know what I mean? Like, but I've been <laughs> using Spotify since like 2009, and it's I always loved it. So Pandora, too bad. But anyway, it's getting bigger. <laughs> I, I just tried doing advertising with both of them for Atlanta Design Festival and uh, it didn't actually work, but we tried it. And yeah. spent it but um, uh, it's, cheap, it's cheap Spotify advertising. You can do some great ads. So if you have a local store, you can target a local area and you can run ads. And we served 53,000 plays of an ad for $500. So, wow. uh if you wanted to do a very local campaign, it's quite a good way um, because you can say a message. You get thirty seconds of talking. Yeah. Um, Pandora was a much bigger minimum spend. They wouldn't. I think it was a few thousand dollars before we could do it, so we just didn't run it on them. But I was going to because it was bigger. Um, but it was. There, there are lots and lots of ads ways out there, and. Never just don't do print early days because it's too big a spend, and you can play around and figure out what works for you on all these others. And you don't need an agency straight away, you can figure out something. Um, but there are lots of ways you can find someone. Um, you know, there's all these kind of uh, I don't know whether you, I use people per hour, I don't know whether that's one <laughs> over in the US, I know it's in Europe again. Um, but uh, there's all those like Mechanical Turk and the places, marketplaces where you can find somebody. So you would be able to hook up with somebody internationally who could charge you maybe like $100 or $50 to help you set up an AdWords campaign. Yeah. And they do it day in, day out. It doesn't take long. It saves you all the hassle. Just go and find these people and, you know, do it that way from day one. Mm. Uh, if you're If you're put off, if you're like, oh, I don't think I can figure that out or I haven't got time to learn it, then yeah, just get someone to do it. It's not going to cost a lot, man. These are some. This is literally gems after gem after gem after gem, and I love it. And I, I hate that we had to wrap this up, but I do have you know this, the same question I always ask everyone else about what would you, what advice would you give to the seventeen year old version of yourself? Um, I uh, specifically <laughs> myself, but um, I would just be more up for doing different things and not be so set on my route that I want. Um, I study graphic design, for instance, and I'm not doing that. But I'm not I'm, I'm not totally, I'm within the design industry, so I get to work with them. But I was like, I want to be a graphic designer, and I was not open to other things. Mm. And then I actually worked out I wasn't actually that good a graphic designer. <laughs> um, and, I mean, I was okay, but all my friends were, like, really good. And yeah. Um, and I was just always disappointed that I wasn't as creative as them, but I think people are too focused on this is what I want and not to be like rude to anyone. You just don't know at that age. (laughs) You really don't. You're kind of learning so much and just be open to learning and doing things because that's the exciting bit and it will eventually find you the thing you want to do. But if you're like, I only want to do this and I'm just going to set my route that way. This is how I feel. Some other people will feel differently. Is um, uh, I feel like you close doors when you do that. Mm. Should be more. You should be much more like just try things and um, and see where it takes you. You never quite know. In a way, like you know, when we spoke before, I yeah. know, uh, is I was like exactly what you're doing here. You're doing a podcast. This is amazing. <laughs> Thanks. And, uh, you know, like people would be put off doing things like that because they would think, Oh, I don't know how to do, I don't know. How would I promote it? How would I do this? And it's like, just, just start, try it and work it out. Yeah. You know, um, and no one has all of the answers and you work it out as you're doing it. And I'm, you know, I'm sure like you, you've done loads of these episodes now. And I'm sure if you think about the first one, it's probably really different to where you are. (laughs) Oh yeah, the first one was the first one was hilarious for me. I mean, I was so nervous about just hoping my laptop didn't crash in the middle of talking to these people who really went off a of faith of nothing else but a cold email. And shout out to those guys. 
uh, at Hall Rap up in New York. They, they were super, super helpful um, and just giving me a shot. But yeah, that, I think that's a perfect way to end the show, man. And I think uh, any last thoughts on what people can, where people can find your work and how people can interact more with you? Because I'm sure if they're anything like me and most people, I don't know if people are like me or not, but it's, uh, most people would be interested in the same content you've been talking about. Where can they find more? Um, well, the company website is octobercoms.com. Yeah. You find it easily enough. Uh, but I'm, uh, we're on Instagram, octobercoms, Twitter, octobercoms. Me personally, my own one is much more prolific. <laughs> <laughs> the company one, uh, which is, it's hard to pronounce, Atelier Tally. Uh, but, you know, if you go to the October ones, it will link through because I connect these two. And that's where I blog about design. And I have a, like, that's where I talk about what I'm interested in and answer people's questions a bit more. Um, so if people want to tweet at me or Instagram message, then just by all means go onto either of those accounts and I'll keep a lookout and answer questions. Always happy to. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. This is another episode of Educated Guests. You can follow us at edu.guests at edu.guests on Instagram. That's where you can keep up with all of the upcoming episodes, all of the past episodes, direct links to anything in the future. Catch us there. Man, this episode was crazy. Um, Daniel Nelson. What, do I, what can I say? A crash course in PR specifically for design agencies. So if you're looking for more leads or if you're looking just to get started, if you're a one-man show, which a lot of people are, here's some stuff you can do to build your personal brand, build your group brand, build a brand of whatever you're trying to start. There's a little bit of analytics, a little bit of science behind it. So you can focus on the art. I think that's the beauty of it. Tune in next week.